Welcome back to another episode of Titans of Now. Titans reaches a wide audience of ServiceNow admins, developers, architects, and product owners. So if you want your brand in front of this audience, check out the description below for how to contact me about sponsorship opportunities. If you want to know what I'm up to lately, I invite you to discover VividCharts. VividCharts is a visualization and storytelling platform built on ServiceNow. Stop exporting data off-platform to get the aesthetic control and storytelling experiences that you want. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Titans of Now. Tonight I have one of the single greatest ServiceNow developers of all time, and probably the world's largest store of integrations know-how on the platform. So honored to welcome my close personal friend to the Titans Pantheon, ladies and gentlemen, King James Neal. You're too kind, Rob. Thank you. Great to be here. Pleasure is mine, man. I've waited so long to get you on the show, man. So everybody knows the routine. At the start of the show, we talk about how you got your start. So I actually started out as a lighting engineer, and I was doing controlled lighting installations for big buildings and yachts and other big industrial warehouses. So I did that for about six years, and at the end, I just thought, you know what, I want to get back into computing. I've always been into web design. I started out on the PHP, C++, two very old and legacy languages that no one really likes, but I started back on them when I was about 15, 16, built websites and stuff, but didn't want to go down that path because of what I thought were the negative connotations of being at a desk. You know, I like being out, I like doing things with my hands. So being a lighting engineer on site, working with people made sense for me. It was only when I got to six years into that and found that I couldn't go anywhere else. And I thought, actually, you know what? I really want to get back into software engineering. And I'd still been doing PHP on the side and building websites for charities and other things like that. And I thought, well, I'm going to look around and see if I can get into that and just take a different career path into software and IT. And it just so happened that a service partner in the UK had a job out for a junior implementation consultant. I applied for it. It was a little bit of a pay cut, but I thought, uh, give up to get up. So I took that opportunity uh, they're very gracious in, in giving it to me. And that's where I got my first intro into ServiceNow. And I was thrown straight into Jelly, thrown straight into building integrations and definitely a very steep learning curve getting into ServiceNow, trying to pick that up. And yeah, so I started as a junior implementation consultant essentially and then uh, worked my way up from there. And that was 10 years ago now. So crazy, yeah. crazy. You're one of those Jelly fans, huh? Oh, you've seen my uh, I Love Jelly t-shirt <laughs> knowledge. Right. Yes, I am. I, I think it gets a bad rep. It, it's used for things that it was never intended. And actually, one of the things that we use it for in our integration platform is doing actual XML processing, which is what it's for. And when you're doing that on the server side and not trying to render a UI or chuck bootstrap into it or something, it's very, very good and very handy. So when you use a tool for what it was intended, Generally, they're pretty good. And Jelly is one of those things. Don't really use it very much now. Certainly not for a UI perspective. It does come in handy for XML generation. I want to go back just a step where you're talking about your lighting engineer experience. Yeah. Um, because I've always made the claim that some of the most interesting ServiceNow resources that I've ever had the pleasure of working with come from really diverse non-IT backgrounds and apply perspectives from those backgrounds that nobody else has so could you talk for a second about anything from your lighting engineering days that informed your service now experience or gave you some kind of insight into possibility that maybe nobody else has seen first i was on my own i was often the only guy on site i had a laptop i was plugging into sort of ports everywhere 
turning lights on and off, setting up control systems and hooking them into building management systems. Whilst I wasn't fully dedicated to being at a desk, I was still very much heavily involved in IT in that case. It just tickled both parts of what I liked. It, mm -hmm. it gave me the, the opportunity to get out and the opportunity to create things using software. You know, one of the buildings I did, 14 floors, center of London, 10,000 lights, and all of them connected to one control system. You can see everything. It's, it's just very, very cool. In terms of what experience I got out of that, I was working with lots of different people. And I think that is really important, understanding who you're working with, being able to communicate with people who don't necessarily want to be there or to do something and just understand what they're after and talk on their level and help them achieve what they need to do so that you can help get what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Working with other people is the most important thing when it comes to a job and understanding what they're wanting to do and how their jobs work makes it a lot easier to do your own job in a lot of cases. So I would work with electricians, site engineers, architects, and even customers. So just that broad array of people was the biggest thing that I got that allowed me to move forward. And what do you think you got the most of? Do you think it refined your storytelling capability more or your ability to listen to their requirements from their worldview and then translate that into what you actually needed to get done? Listening to their requirements, but also communicating what you needed as well. If I needed to get some lights changed or something like that, or I'm working with a customer and stuff has to change on drawings, there's all sorts of communication back and forth. You've got to make sure that what you're talking about is correct and you've got to make sure that you understand what they're saying. I think we see this a lot in the industry is the customer asks something, we put our interpretation on it, we deliver what we think, and then it's completely different to what the customer wants. I guess I find myself on, in a sense, is doing a really good job at delivering what the customer actually wants and making them ecstatic about what they're getting and not, oh, I didn't quite ask for that. Uh, what do we miss? Now, pay attention to what James said here. To him, it was an experience of learning how to interact with people better, but the knowledge of what's possible and the different types of work, I've seen personally changed his view of what's possible on ServiceNow. We were at a hackathon together, him, Tim, Hugh, and I, and we were racking our brains the night before wondering, hey, what are we going to do for hackathon this year? And James is all like, hey, why don't we just do industrial light management and we'll put everything on one dashboard that can calculate your carbon footprint and the cost of the power for your lights and see what happens if you reduce your luminosity or whatever. And so he basically pulls this hackathon use case right out his back pocket and we go on to win the hackathon and talk about all the IoT simulators that we did. And then we actually beat, you remember, we beat the CreatorCon folks to the punch when they were announcing metric base. Yep. So that was hilarious sitting in the keynote <laughs> there and be like, hey. <laughs> that was us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's so, been a few of those moments, hasn't there, Rob, yeah, along the way? Yeah, a couple. Yeah, one or two. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell my listeners, embrace the backgrounds that aren't IT, that aren't ServiceNow, and intertwine them with whatever it is you're thinking about right now in terms of the possibilities of what the platform can do. I just wanted to tack on to that, you know, that it doesn't matter what you're doing. ServiceNow is one of those great platforms where you can come from any background and apply your knowledge to it and get an awesome result out the back of it. It just so happens for me because I'd been developing in code for quite a while. It just made good sense for me to, to move into that and it, it fitted really well. Not many people know this, but I actually worked with James for a year or two at his company, Whitespace Studios, which was awesome. And Whitespace Studios has a tool that is pretty revolutionary, but doesn't get enough publicity. So James, you want to talk us a little bit about Unify? 
Absolutely, yeah. You, you say it doesn't get enough publicity. You're absolutely right, and that's been quite deliberate. Um, we've been whoops. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we've been building this product for the past five years. Um, well, it's actually been in the back of our minds in development for as long as I can remember in service. Now, really, all of the integration experience that I gathered and my co-founder Tim gathered as well went into this product five years ago, and so you, it's a a ticket exchange platform specifically for ServiceNow. And our tagline is the definitive pro-code integration platform. And what we're targeting is integrations in ServiceNow, not your standard data sync stuff where you you can just do an import set or something like that. This is complex business process integrations where you need to know that the messages that you're sending and the integrations that you're building work flawlessly. Your business depends on these. If you raise a priority one incident and you're sending it to a vendor, you need to know that that vendor got that incident. And if it didn't get that incident, you want to know immediately why and be able to resolve it. And so that is what Unify is about. It's about bringing all of that operational experience to the front so that your business can manage its integrations very easily. And on the plus side, you know, we make it very quick for developers to build these complex integrations without worrying about all of the low-level fundamentals of ticket exchange and queuing and um, asynchronous requests and all this other stuff. Right. It's all the stuff a developer who knew what they were doing in terms of integrations would have to build over and over and over again on their own. Uh, Absolutely. And more. There's a lot of code in this. There's a lot of man hours in this. And we're continually refining and building it. You're talking thousands and thousands of hours of effort and knowledge gone into this. When we start first designing this, we didn't write any code at all. We spend at least three, if not four weeks um, when I say we, this is me and Tim, three or four weeks we spent just talking things through, mapping out the architecture. We tore down and threw away so much stuff that previously we'd done, but it was like, this doesn't fit the use case or where people need flexibility. And that's one of the key points I think you'll remember as well, Rob, you know, flexibility is absolutely paramount when it comes to these kind of integrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no one size fits all. There is no plug and play. You know, you've got vendors who are just standing up their own custom integrations and you need to be able to build into them. So creating a platform that allows that is not easy. And so Unify is fully geared around allowing you to do whatever you need to do in the easiest way possible. I know this wasn't a use case that we really went after, but I was always captivated by the idea of MNAs because many, many times in my ServiceNow journey, I saw big accounts merging with big accounts and we got two big customized essential ServiceNow deployments. And how do we reconcile these two? And gosh, let's spend six months putting a project plan together before we even start chunking this apart. And just the project planning can run you six figures worth of cost. And for way less than that, you can have an integration platform that just sits in between them for the time being. Hey, party A is way better at this process than party B. So party B's tickets will just go over to party A and synchronize with them. And you can just pick and choose your processes. And you can have something that exists on two or more instances working perfectly seamlessly with a high degree of control and i feel with coronavirus and the new economic normal i feel like we're going to see a ton more m&a's at large scales and people just need to take a look at your product man <laughs> i appreciate that uh, you're absolutely right though that m&a scenario there we've seen more than once big big companies doing mergers and they stick Unify on both ends, and we have them connected in a couple of days. And that's full-on integrations for their processes. So besides Unify, I know Unify is kind of your crowning glory in the ecosystem, but I wonder if you could rewind a bit when you're a beginner and tell us about 
that oh wow moment where you saw ServiceNow and you're, oh, the world's going to change because of this? So uh, that oh wow moment in my journey actually started immediately. And that oh wow moment was when I suddenly clicked and understood ServiceNow and realized that the app that I'd been building in my spare time in PHP, of all things, was essentially built in the same way by Fred Luddy. Um, so seeing that decoupled database to server to front end structure, being able to just create an app in a few minutes, spinning up tables, adding fields through a clickable interface. That was all stuff I'd been working on for quite a long time. So seeing it in service now, I was just like, wow, okay, cool. That killed my project, but still, <laughs> that was my biggest oh wow moment right at the start. That's some validation for you, though. It was. It Fred was. beat me to my side project. <laughs> he did. On the opposite side, tell us about a time where it was like, man, am I am I going to make it? Oh, as a founder of a company and someone that's been in the industry quite a while, I think I've got quite a few struggles and horror stories. But the first one was, you remember David? Um, yeah. He was making him redundant. So I hired family, as I know you shouldn't do, and it came to the point where we couldn't continue and, you know, I had to let him go. And that was very painful. Yeah, I remember that, man. That was not, yeah. Yeah, so advice to anyone listening to this, working with close friends, close family, it's just there is a reason they say don't do it. And it's not because you don't work well together, it's because when it goes wrong, it can really sort of stuff things up. You just have to be careful there. And that, that was that was just really tough. We didn't want to do that, but mm -hmm. it didn't make sense. And we were in a tough time in there. So um, I kind of got a top three, really, because there's been so many. So the second one was trying to become a services partner. And actually, this is something we faced together. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> and ultimately, we just decided to cancel it after two years of trying. I don't know that there was anything we did wrong. I don't think the partner program did necessarily anything wrong. We just fell through the cracks and it didn't happen. So we're still, it's obviously a technology partner. So we still build apps on the store, but we never got the services thing. And actually, in hindsight, that's actually a good thing for us because we don't do services in that stance anymore. Just in the early days, it was very, very frustrating. Yeah, I remember because the business model, we were like, we need this. <laughs> yep, it was silly because we were closing deals, we were selling, mm -hmm. we were getting customers to buy stuff and we couldn't even get a deal. Yep. That was painful. Or like an email back or anything. The funny thing is that when I speak to other founders, it's like, what? you're not a services company. You didn't get a service partner. How, how do you know it's like, <laughs> I don't. I honestly don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. It's just one of those moments where life takes you the direction you need to go by punching you in the face so you face another direction. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you got to be thankful for it after. <laughs> uh, yeah, after. It's just, it just would have been so much easier the other way yeah. in, in many ways. Um, well, I mean, it could have divided our energies even further, though. I think that's when you and I friendly parted ways. You only had the energy to do the product side. So maybe yep. that would have trapped white space in a way that we can't perceive now. Very likely it would have done. I think at the time it was very much a case of you've got to keep the lights on in order to you know stay alive, but you also want to invest in developing the things you're actually passionate about. Yeah. You know, and the apps side of things is what we're passionate about. And we're fortunate now that actually we don't need the services. You know, we still have a long way to go, no doubt about that, but we've really come a long way and we're really in a good place now. I don't know if everybody knows this, but James is actually the author of Explore. Put it down on my links. 
uh, Explore is the single most downloaded app on Share, and it's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at one point, it had more downloads than everything else combined. It was a de facto app you had to have. Everybody who does serious dev work on ServiceNow has to have Explore. Tell us about the genesis of Explore. Explore came about because I had been in the platform a few months. I've been building some integrations, macros, the UI pages, other bits and pieces. And there was always annoying that I never knew quite what I was working with. I didn't know what an object had in its properties. I didn't know what functions I would call. This was way back when we had the wiki before the new doc site. So we didn't have access to all of the available methods and classes and all that kind of stuff. It was just knowledge that you had to gain from somewhere, from the ether. And it was called Explore because it allowed me to do exploratory programming. The whole point was that I could put into like a, a guide session class and it would go away and tell me everything that I could do with guide session. It was a very limited tool set for a long time. I just had a, a script input box and you could put a script into it, run it, and it would give you the results out the back of it. And that actually came in incredibly handy on more than one occasion for things like deleting a million records from a CMDB database when an import failed and created a huge amount of records. Uh, all sorts of things like that we ended up doing with it, and it was great. When I started Whitespace, I just needed to do something better with it. And I wanted other people to use it and benefit from the experience of being able to write some code, click run, and see what it did. And that was outside of background scripts. I wanted a bit more of a seamless interface. I didn't want to lose my script. I didn't want to have it crash on me and uh, lose all the code that I'd written. I wanted to be able to cancel it. I wanted to see the stuff that came out without having to do a million GSD bug logs. And so my own requirements and everyday use cases fed into that. And I ended up going and staying in a hotel and I spent two nights literally until about two, three o'clock in the morning building this thing as a proper UI page with Bootstrap of it. So it just worked a lot better. And that is the start of the Explore that we know today. Obviously one version four now, which has a whole load more stuff in it but that's where it came from. Again, if you're a ServiceNow developer and you haven't yet heard about Explore, check out the description below. We're gonna have links on how to get to it and also a training series I did on it way back in the day that shows you all the features yes. or at least whatever features I was capable of understanding when James was teaching me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, if you could change the ecosystem or the product, what would you do? I love this question. And at first I was like, do you know what? I don't know because it's great to see how much it's improved and developed over the years, how much it's grown. ServiceNow alone, thousands and thousands of people now, let alone all the customers, partners and developers. But I think one thing that's really lacking at the moment is investment in the App Store. And I say that because I'm very, very close to it. And going back to dude, our really old days when we were in Wolfpack, you know, we were there at the start. Oh, let's not talk about Wolfpack. <laughs> <laughs> Ditch Wolfpack. Can we to restart that? No, 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 we can go on. The company that shall not be named. Way back in the day, Way back you and I the were there. We built our own product and we were there for the launch. And it was great. It was very exciting with all these ambitions and plans. And we were going to take over the world, become multi-millionaires overnight because mm -hmm. there was thousands of enterprise customers that needed what we had. And that was going to be it. All we had to do was get in front of them and they would buy it. And the kind of sad reality is that that is not the case at all. And I think you know, the App Store, it is great, but I think it's misunderstood by a lot of people and are sad in a sense, but it, it goes back to what we expected at the start. We were thinking it was going to mimic the iPhone App Store, mm -hmm. you know, the Apple App Store, and Apple App Store has millions and millions of customers and you've only got to get a few and you can make some good money. Yeah. Well, There's only thousands. 
You were selling them for like a dollar ninety nine, right? Um, yeah. 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 Whereas there's only thousands of customers in the ServiceNow ecosystem, and of those thousands, many still choose to build their own apps themselves. They're too big, they've got too many special requirements. Also, there's still incumbent partners in with these companies, with most of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're going to be saying, well, we'll just build it custom for you. We can tailor it to what you want. And in many cases, that is what's needed. But where it comes back to investment is educating people a bit more, helping partners understand what the app store is really about to help customers understand what they can do with it. I totally hear you on having a clear idea of how the store works if you're going to venture into there. And I will say, yes. and I, I mean, absolutely no disrespect to service now when I say this. But you ever hear that expression, God helps those who help themselves? Honestly, that's exactly what I was going to say as well. That is the fundamental truth of the store mm-hmm. is, you know, ServiceNow will only invest in you if you're making money. So you have to do the work yourself first. Yeah, you've got to get success on your own if you're going to get any exactly. force multiplication from them. Yeah. Which is, and I mean, they got to run a business too, right? And I'm sure that the store doesn't yeah. amount to a huge chunk of their revenue. So they have to be cutthroat in that way. But it's still hard. And nobody tells you that's the way it's going to be. I think it's just it's people underestimate the amount of effort that it goes into building a product as well. It's one thing to spin up an app that, that you think is great and maybe a lot of other people think it's great. But when it comes to actually marketing that and selling it and putting the documentation together mm-hmm. and doing all the work around it, you suddenly realize actually building the app is 10% of what you need to do. Yeah. Yes. You know, and if you are if you haven't got the knowledge to really kick that and get that into gear and get it in front of people and get them to buy it, unfortunately, it's just not going to work. Yeah, um, especially if you have a new exotic idea, because that's what we did with Hypercare was just, I still daydream yep. about Hypercare. Oh, it's such an awesome concept because it's new. Nobody's looking for it. So you've got to teach the market yep. where the gap is and there's a scale, right? Vivid Charts is kind of new too, but everybody needs data visualization. So it works, but Hypercare yep. was such a out there. It was. I mean, and, that, and that's kind of where one of those funny ironies is that it's easy to sell something that's already exists. Mm-hmm. Just pick a product, build your version of it, and you'll be able to sell it. I have a friend who sells men's grooming accessories. And he's gone from nothing to being quite successful at it. And uh, he dropped this wisdom bomb on me once. He said, a saturated market is a proven market. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So he's like, I would never... Don't try and reinvent the wheel. One of the big things for a lot of people, myself included, is you build what you love. You build what you're working with. And if you've been with customers, you build what they've asked for. We had a customer. We built an app for them that was pretty cool and we were like goodness me this is epic we can take this everywhere everyone needs this so we built it released it as a store app and it did nothing we demoed to hundreds of people at knowledge and other events and no one bought it no one was interested and that was probably partly our fault for just being so naive in terms of understanding communication and marketing and sales and all that kind of stuff sort of lesson learned is it's not as easy as lifting and shifting what you built for a customer and saying everyone else on the planet is going to want this. Yeah. The big question they ask you when you win a hackathon, is this going on the store? And everybody's like, hell yeah, it's going on the store. <laughs> Give me that I money. Everything was, yeah. dude, we should have about 10 apps on the store by now. I think. Shouldn't we? <laughs> oh man. Again, I still daydream about it. Someday that thing will be remade when the market's ready for it. Yeah. I keep thinking about building it in vivid charts and not so much the whole build a portal on the fly aspect of hypercare, but yeah. Just presenting a customer consumable interface that tells them stuff about stuff that's upcoming. Like, 
we got a major release coming up there's there's these changes and everybody thinks of change control in terms of like the cab schedule nobody gives a (laughs) about the cab schedule (laughs) (laughs) especially your customers i was gonna say especially the end users and customers they don't care they just want to know how it affects them and what they're doing yeah exactly Um, so someday and i think maybe in vivid charts they'll give it a shot anyway final question do you have any advice for up-and-comers on their journey on ServiceNow. Yeah, never give up. This is a massive ecosystem now. It can seem kind of daunting. It can seem like there is too much to learn. It can seem like, where do you even start in a lot of cases? But the reality is just accepting no one's going to know everything now. Uh, The way I look at it is the cream always rises to the top. Always. Even in saturated markets. So, and this is why I'm more and more I'm telling people don't everybody asks me or probably even you right how do i get to where you are like don't do it the way i did because i had a narrow path and 12 years of time to figure it all out you got not even any of that so go narrow try a bunch of things but find something that you like and just go super deep on that and ignore everything else and then once you're really good at that and your cream is rising to the top then worry about another knowledge domain don't get overwhelmed by the amount there is to learn in the ecosystem figure out what you love figure out what you're passionate about and make that your niche or your niche as i think you guys in america say there's plenty of people out there doing things but becoming a jack of all trades is not a good thing in this industry you'll end up spreading yourself too thin so if you're passionate about workspace or you're passionate about crm or something else like that, go and do that. Be the best at that. Learn that to the point that you are the absolute best in your field at that one thing. All right, brother, we are at time. I want to thank you again for joining. Uh, It's been my honor. You're very welcome. Absolute pleasure. If you'd like to sponsor this channel's content, email me at the address pictured here. If you need a conversation on where your ServiceNow implementation is or where it's going, you can reach me on SuperPeers and book a short consult. If you want to contribute to high quality, high frequency output, consider a donation. If not, I still appreciate your viewership. Consider hitting the like button and sharing within your network. Thanks for watching.